the point with Google Analytics is that it's um, it basically ends at a moment where where it's getting interesting for for streaming, right? It's not it's not made for streaming purposes, and basically ends the tracking where it hits the event play, and everything that comes after is not really out of the box included in, in Google Analytics, and and therefore if you really want to work with data and in, in streaming in the streaming industry, you need to dig much deeper and and specifically look what's going on in the stream. You can find this podcast on simplestream.com, as well as on your favorite platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. If you enjoyed the show, follow us, leave a review, join the conversation, and leave a comment on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can find SimpleStream and Beyond the Stream there too. Hi, this is Edward coming to you from Beyond the Stream. Today, we're here with Till Sudworth, CMO and Head of Business Video, at Enpool, that's nice people at work. Till, you've had an interesting career. Um, you started off, you mentioned to me earlier that you were the deputy lead of IPTV uh, for Deutsche Telekom, and you also took them up to 2 million customers as the PL lead uh, for PayTV. So, how did this get you to the point you are in your career right now? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Ask that myself sometimes as well. No, I'm, I mean, one very interesting thing actually is that. When we launched that project, we had then the issue that we were actually completely blind in about the perceptions and the acceptance of the end user and did they have any, any quality issues or how they, uh, you know, experience our product. And back then we actually built our own product because there was no analytics solution in the market. We're talking about 2006, 2007. And, um, so, you know, we always had that. I always had that um, point in my career where I was wondering how does the end user actually experience your product? And uh, and then after um, working for Deutsche Telekom for a while, I went further to, to Sky, worked for Sky in Germany for, uh, for quite a while, for I think three years. And then I, I left a little bit the industry market, working a little bit into startups and, um, and uh, race startups and worked for smaller companies. And I experienced myself that I really like for working for smaller companies, but I miss the TV industry. So um, for me, it was a kind of a natural next step to go back to the TV industry uh, and working for a B2B company and not anymore as a B2C company, because that's basically specifically in Germany, most covered by big enterprise companies. Mm -hmm. So I ended at, at, uh, at Empo and uh, it was quite interesting, actually, one of the first customers won uh, during my time at, at Deutsche Telekom, well, I didn't win it myself, but it was Deutsche Telekom. And um, that was interesting because then they actually killed the homemade solution that they had built in 2007 um, and uh, replaced it with our solution. So kind of, uh, you know, closing the loop. Uh, nice career. full circle moment yeah. for you there in your career. Absolutely. And you also mentioned to me, obviously, you mentioned startups there. You actually took a startup from the start right through to 250 employees and sale. Yeah. Well, unfortunately it wasn't my uh, company. Otherwise uh, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't need to work anymore. <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was a completely different approach in the, in the, in the food industry. Actually, we sold it to Dr. Edgar, which was uh, quite interesting and um, a very, very great moment to really build a company from a stretch and um, just enforce me to that. Uh, that is what I like to do as well. Uh, company building and working for smaller companies. 
I mean, your, your experience actually puts you at a perfect place then to talk about how important data is to businesses, um, especially when it comes to video, because obviously you've got a lot of experience in TV. So how has the industry actually changed since those days in Deutsche Telekom to today? Yeah, a lot, I think very much. Um, in my in my career, I also worked for an e-commerce company and their experience, how much these industries work with data. There's actually no decision that is not data-based in these industry. And uh, in 2006, 2007, the best data that we had were surveys that were like three months old and uh, like very, very uh, small uh, group of people. And we kind of uh, tried to read and learn out of these out of these surveys. And I think that changed completely right now. It's um, much, much faster. You have data availability available in, in, in seconds in real time. Uh, and therefore, you really are in the position to make database decisions. And not back as in 2007, where we actually, you know, if you look back now, we were completely blind and we didn't know a lot about our customers. No, of course. I mean, you're going from like in the TV industry, at least in the UK, barbrated content and, you know, just having a sample audience rather than your entire customer base at your hands. Exactly. So the data at your hands now is completely different to what you had back then. It's an insane difference when you think about it, because you're not yeah. having to worry about sample audiences you're down at an individual level. Absolutely. And an interesting point that we discovered from um, a recent report we did is called Consumers in the Modern Age. Uh, we asked people whether they were comfortable with sharing their data uh, for streaming services. And we actually found that just over 40% of them weren't happy to opt in with data sharing. And is this something you're seeing where, as an issue with your customers? Not really, to be honest. I mean, of course, it's a it's a super important topic to be, um, um, you know, having data security as one of. I mean, we work with data with the, the data of our customers and and with their end users. So, uh, we are three times ISO certificated. We take the GDPR very seriously. Uh, this is, of course, a super important um, preliminary, more or less, right, to to ensure that the uh, the end user is feeling well as well to giving away the data. I think in, in TV experience or the TV um, industry, it's, it's, it's so important to have good data for offering a better product for the end user. So actually, the, I think the end user is highly prof, uh, you know, benefiting from, from, uh, from providing data, not only in terms of getting recommendations and, and you know, really valuable recommendations that fit to your yes. usage and not, uh, I mean, came, come up with, with strange results on the one side, but also in terms of delivering great, great quality of experience so that they can see their, uh, the live sports event, for example, without buffer ratio, without any crashes. So I think, um, the, the, the end user needs to understand that in TV industry, it's really, it's a super complex product, right? It's a, a super com complex product to manage and therefore, um, uh, TV providers need to have data to really provide the best quality of experience and the best product experience that the can, you know, that the end user can hope to have. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, what we saw um, in a white paper we did with Enpool over the past year was we were speaking to our customer base and we found that one of our uh, customers in the Nordic region had um, found that they were having an issue with buffering. There was an unacceptable buffer ratio that their customers were experiencing, which in that region didn't make much sense because over 95% of uh, people that had the internet there were actually on fiber optic broadband. So they should be experiencing the best speeds possible. But through using the Eubora platform, 
uh, that Endport provides, they were able to find out that it was an individual uh, ISP internet service provider, narrow it down to them and actually speak to that provider themselves to get the issue resolved because it was actually an issue on their side, not them. But obviously, if you without that sort of data at hand, you'd be potentially losing a lot of customers there because you know a lot of people nowadays they're not gonna sit around and wait for something to buffer. They're gonna go onto the next service, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the competition's fierce, right? I mean, we we all have that as a, as end users as well. We have so many different options and choices in terms of S what T what A what B what you name it, and 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 now add uh, fasts, etc. So, I mean, the the amount of content that you can choose off is is unlimited. Right. So I think and, and we know that and we see that also in our data and we hear, hear that from our customers that it's getting more and more important to have a, a high quality of experience and quality of, or a low quality of experience is, is a major churn um, cause or reason. And so, yeah, as you said, I mean, if you if you if you have a bad experience in, in, a, in a great football match and, uh, you know, you, you, you have the chance to watch that football match in some other platform. You might go and go to the next platform the next time. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to miss a goal. Yeah. <laughs> I recently spoke with Evan Shapiro as well, or Shapiro rather. Sorry, Evan. Um, <laughs> he mentioned in his talk at IBC, um, big tech death stars. And we also discussed that on the episode of the podcast we did with him. And the data that these big tech death stars have is putting them at an advantage in the streaming wars now. And does that correlate with the results that your customers are seeing as a result of using your solutions? It correlates at least with the experience that we do while talking to our customers or prospects, um, specifically when it comes to broadcasters or public broadcasters. They are in the learning curve of, of using data at the very, very beginning, right? And obviously, the big uh, five uh, tech companies that you're mentioning, I guess, or that everyone was mentioning in his in his article, they are, you know, they they collecting data since years, and they they are they are able to use the data, and that, I think that is even the more important point that we see with, with a lot of our prospects or customers that some of them, you know, they, they figured out meanwhile that they need data, right? But uh, they don't know how to use it. They don't have the internal skills. They don't have the internal or well, the people with the skill set to really use and leverage data and, 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 and the, the benefit of data. And therefore, I think the, the advantage is still there of the big five tech companies and, you know, it will increase and, and Broadcasters need to to you know speed it up. I think to 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 stop that 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 gap that is getting bigger and bigger, um, and and to to you know get to use how to use data and how to leverage and work with data. It's getting more important, right? Yeah, definitely. I think broadcasters are certainly taking note of that. You you see things like recently in the past month, uh, you see like Everyone TV, which is uh, the um, partnership company between all of the PSB's public service broadcasters in the UK coming together to create a new platform, which is freely offering IP TV, um, basically taking the Freeview services exist in the UK, one of the most popular, and then taking that directly over IP. So delivering that to smart TVs. I mean, with them doing that and taking it completely IP, not going terrestrial satellite cable, then they're actually going to be able to leverage solutions like you provide at Empor to get much greater data on their customer base, not relying on barbrated content anymore, and then being able to see at an individual level, you know, what's actually performing really well. And I think that's the big advantage when we talk about those big tech companies. You yeah. think about Netflix and their recommendations, it's pretty on point, right? Because they can actually take that data at an individual level and provide you with good recommendations. 
Yeah, but uh, you know they have they have experience with that for over years already, yeah. right? I mean, they they're working with data from the very first moment, as they were more or less an e-commerce company <laughs> at the beginning, right? So, I mean, they they used to work with data and they they improved that that work with data over over the last years, and um, and broadcast as I said, I mean, I just a few months ago there was a, one of the biggest broadcasters in, in Europe actually came to me and said, we know we need to use data, we just don't know for what. Right, and that is for some broadcasters that is still the situation. And uh, also, uh, we went to a panel yesterday at an event here in London. They also told us a big broadcaster told us it's such an effort to have the internal change, right, of, of the people and to to let them understand that the world changing and and you know the technology that you they use for, for decades is changing, and they therefore also the possibilities and the mindsets need to change, right. So I think the mindset is an important thing. And then, of course, the skill sets you need as well to have data and, and, and to work with data. And as you said, it's a big advantage for the big uh, US companies. And I mean, in terms of where these broadcasters things might go, first of all, I, I suppose it's more relevant to smaller to medium sized companies. But I think you see a lot of them initially going for things that are open source or free to use, like Google Analytics, right? And do you think that's actually suitable to be used by streaming services, something like Google Analytics? Not at all, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, seriously, um, the, the point with Google Analytics is that it's, um, it basically ends at a moment where, where it's getting interesting for, for streaming, right? It's not, it's not made for streaming purposes and basically ends the tracking where it hits the event play. And everything that comes after is not really out of the box included in, in Google Analytics. And, and therefore, if you really want to work with data and in, in streaming in the streaming industry, you need to dig much deeper and, and specifically look what's going on in the stream. And, um, and therefore, Google cannot kind of provide the service, right? So that is one point. On top of that, of course, we have in Europe, at least always the discussion about how close is Google to the GDPR. Um, there's a lot of, of discussions and a lot of, of potential lawsuits going on, not against Google, but against the users of Google. Um, so we have a lot of specifically private, public broadcasters that don't use Google uh, for exactly that reason, that they are afraid of that they might, you know, break the GDPR rule with that. Uh, so that that is another topic, the, the kind of, um, well, insecurity in that, that question. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, it's, it's a product that, that is for free. And as you mentioned before, right, if you use a product for free, your data basically is a product. So, so you're the product and people need to be aware that, that they're giving away, uh, you know, the, the, the broadcast or the public broadcast or the, the platform, the three platforms, they're giving away important data, um, that they should actually use and not give to, to Google. So therefore, of course, we recommend, um, other, um, analytics tools specifically for, for, for made for streaming. Yeah. And it makes sense because at least when you go beyond just the public broadcasters and things, when you go to the consumer level, their concerns, as I highlighted before in our report, we find that their concerns are about, oh, you know, where, where's my data going when really that person has probably got a Gmail account. <laughs> uses Google Maps to go everywhere, puts reservations, everything, does their shopping through Google Chrome. And they're worried then about opting in to data sharing on a streaming service. Yeah. Whereas, you know, that if they're worried about data sharing, their concern, I don't think should be with the streaming platform, but yeah. maybe with those free services they're using, as you mentioned yourself, they are the product at that point. On top of, 
Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Coming back to that then, Till, if you yourself were running a streaming service, what analytics would be a must-have? In terms of KPIs, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah. KPIs. I think there's no specific KPI. There's not the one silver bullet in KPI. I think the, the important thing is that you have, on the one side, aggregated data and individual data. Um, as I mentioned in the very beginning at, at Deutsche Telekom, you know, you need to have a clear understanding which customers has problems and and um, when ideally when he calls you in the, in the hotline you you know already what kind of problems he has so individual data is important as well but also aggregated data of course to to be able to improve your overall service if you know see overall the the aggregated buffer ratio is too high you need to work on that um, I think in, in terms of with what kind of data should you start, I think it's, it would be the quality of experience data, as we mentioned before. Mm. Um, you need to have, you know, run a smooth, super performing platform in terms of perceived quality of the end user. Um, on top of that, you know, you have a lot of different things like, like user journey, content consumption patterns um, that you can, can track. Um, but I think the most important step as a first step would be to really improve uh, analyze and improve your quality of experience to ensure that your customer has a has a super performing uh, quality of experience and, and a super performing product right going back to then everything we've covered so far i mean th- what i take away from this is use a platform that is fit for purpose obviously because like you mentioned it's the quality of experience for your customers that's the main part of this because they're used to services that are hyper performing like you think of like your Netflix, Disney Plus, that kind of thing. Those are billion dollar companies. To be able to match that, the first thing you need to do is leverage data, right? Yeah, maybe the first thing thing to do actually is even to think about what do you use the data for, right? Mm. So before actually gathering and, and, and using the data, you need to have a clear understanding of, of what is your main reason or what is the main goal to use data, right? I think that is where a lot of, of companies struggling um, you know, just you just questioned uh, what is the the one KPI that you want to track, and I think the one KPI or the the KPIs that you want to track, def, diver, uh, you know, are diff, completely different. If you are having live TV on demand TV, mm. a good example always is the buffer ratio, right? A buffer ratio is a KPI uh, that um, you might accept on the live uh, TV, um, but uh, on demand, uh, on demand, not as much or vice versa, right? Or, or even better, the join time, right? Join time. So how long does a video need to, to get started at the very yeah. beginning? Um, if it's uh, on demand, you can accept a little bit longer a, a join time at the beginning and therefore maybe having then um, a lower buffer ratio um, as a trade-off. But um, if you have a live TV and you have a long join time, that ends in the situation that your, customer, your neighbor is, is celebrating the goal, you know, minutes before you, and uh, you don't want to have that, right? No. Um, or, or you get a WhatsApp of your friend <laughs> celebrating the goal, you, you, you know, you, you don't see that. You're like, way behind. You're yeah. way behind. <laughs> so therefore, in live TV, um, a low join time is much more important than in, 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 in on-demand. So really, it's important, the first step, having a clear strategy of how you want to use data and what for you want to use data, hmm. that is the first step. And then okay. collecting the data, because otherwise you're ending up with having a lot of data, but cannot use it and leverage it. And that, I think that is actually what a lot of companies also do wrong or where they fail by using data. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned there about live events, and it's interesting because we found that it was a little 
little over the fifth of the sample population we took in the UK was choosing live events more than any other type of content. And is that something you're seeing across your customer base then? Are live events on the app? I think it, it depends um, if you're looking for for broadcasters, right? I think uh, live events is is the one thing where still everybody gathering around around a device and having that kind of uh, campfire situation uh, like we had in the, back in the days. So I think live events is, is still, you see that's where the the broadcasts, I think, are investing a lot of money, right? Uh, having big shows, having live, great live sports triggers uh, incredibly the usage of platforms. And we actually analyzed just uh, in, in the last report, or we actually do continuously analyzing all this, the live sport events. And we see that almost all the live sports event that we had this year and we had tons of them really increased the usage right of our, our customers so it is a big big push uh, for the end users for sure and with that in mind then i mean in terms of live events i'm thinking about ones that hinge like sectors that actually hinge on that like sports um, news music i mean would they utilize analytics tools differently to say other sectors like is there a specific sort of data set they might dig into more or they might find more value in yeah as i, as I mentioned before a little bit there, there are kpis specific kpis that are more rent for live tv than than for for on-demand content for sure yeah i mean it's uh it, it it really depends on um um what you want to do right i mean for example sampling and and, and the entire um, analyzing of the content consumption patterns is for, for sure something that you might do more in, in, in on-demand content, in, mm. in stream, in series in, in, uh, than in, in, in live sports maybe. Um, but um, yeah, it differs a little bit. I mean, specifically, as I mentioned before, when it comes to buffer ratio and join time. Yeah, I mean, for me, like if something doesn't load immediately, I'm incredibly yeah. impatient. So I just turn it off. So <laughs> I can definitely see that that would be important, especially when live events, as you mentioned, like if you're watching the football, yeah. You want it to be available straight away and be on time as well. Yeah. But I mean, sometimes in life, uh, life, life sports, for example, there's only one exclusive right holder, right? So you don't have a chance to, <laughs> yeah. to, to switch off and go somewhere else. If you want to watch it, yeah. you be patient. Um, and, and therefore you, you know, you might accept a little bit longer, longer, uh, or more issues, but, uh, mm. but you, you know, you're going to pay back in the next day, uh, on, on, on Twitter <laughs> or X, how it's called now, yeah. um, and, and talking about the, the bad, bad quality then. We found that over 56% of the sample audience we surveyed, uh, were looking at a cheaper pricing tier for um but sport <coughs> entertainment education and lifestyle streaming services they didn't really differentiate mm -hmm. between those types of content in terms of how much they were willing to pay oh, unsurprisingly perhaps the gross majority which was over 56 percent agreed that five pounds to 9.99 per month was what they'd be willing to pay for those services and i think especially for sports you think about how expensive those rights are to get i mean that's not going to equate to a profitable business, I imagine, for a lot of those sports entities. And how do you think data leveraging might actually help them in that position where you're seeing people with less money and people who are less willing to actually pay for those services? Yeah, first of all, I think we, we, we will see a consolidation in the market, right? We see that quite interesting um, a data point that we tracked um, is the usage of a platform per user. And, and that was actually decreasing over the last few years. So we, we had the thesis that 
users are experimenting or you, you know trying out a lot of different platforms and and having a lot of different subscriptions at the same time and therefore the amount that they can spend on one specific platform is is smaller right mm. because they, they they're sharing their time they don't add additional time for, for entertainment they just share the time and we see actually this year that the first time since four years i think that kpi is turning around and actually the usage per platform per user is increasing so this could be a indicator for that a lot of people, you know, churn from, from some, plat some platforms that they used in the last few years and they, they you know, either uh, decided that it's not worth it or they, they watched all good relevant content for them and, uh, and focused a little bit uh, less, less different platforms. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows quite, quite well how, how, how strong the competition is, right? And how you need to be best in class to really win the customer. And winning the customer is one thing, but more important is then to, to keep the customer, to keep them from churning. And that is something where data is incredibly important, right? To really understand your end user, really providing them the best experience, in, not only in terms of quality, we talked about that a few times, but also in specifically there in terms of offering the random content for him, mm. giving the best user experience in terms of how, how it navigates to the, to the platform, how it actually identifies the relevant content for him. We all, you know, are end users as well, and we all had experience of a bad recommendation engine where it shows some really strange um, um, content recommendations, maybe based because of account sharing or even profile sharing that, that end users do. And, and therefore you get some some really useless recommendations. And, and then the other thing there with the recommendation is that what I experienced, if you look a lot, you, you, you know, you're sticking to your wheel, you don't find really new content anymore. No. Sometimes it's really helpful to actually sign on, on with a different account uh, or, or um, you know um, profile to get new recommendations. So I think having really good working data profile there is is incredibly uh, important to really keep the end user engaged and also not only keeping them engaged on the platform but also maybe with with direct to consumer campaigns. Uh, where you want to have uh, samples based on usage and based on user um profiles uh to really keep him uh, you know keeping engaged and keep him push him in the, into the usage yeah i mean it's an interesting point you say about sharing profiles because for me personally as a consumer i let my dad use my spotify and unfortunately for me that means that i'm in the top five percent of billy joel fans worldwide <laughs> so my recommendations are way off sometimes yeah. for the majority it's okay but it does definitely send me a lot of Billy Joel, which I'm okay with, but at the same time, it's not really what I want. Yeah. So, I mean, you mentioned about, say, consumer campaigns and like if they were wanting to push a certain product from a particular advertiser, how are you going to differentiate there? Because, I mean, you're going to have people that continue to share profiles. So how useful is that data really going to be for those types of campaigns if people are sharing profiles a lot? Well, they are. To be honest, it's nothing that we do. That there are a lot of of, of um, possibilities to to sharpen the profile, right? To understand, mm -hmm. for example, one one uh, methodology that people of news or companies use is the time of uh, when do they watch to identify is if there are different kind of users using one one account or one one profile, and then to separate um, the, the recommendation based on these different profiles. So it's it's more than only usage in terms of what do they watch? It's also when do they watch mm. and watch de which device do they watch it? 
with these kind of information and, and, and of course much much more information you can actually you know define pretty precise profiles and, and identify if there are more users uh, behind one profile and um, and then you can separate your campaigns based on these different data sets so with, with <coughs> sorry if you're facing that issue it's even more important to be dig deeper into the data mm. and to really uh, being able to 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 create strong profiles I mean, in that case, I kind of wish that Spotify used it, used Empo instead because <laughs> then I'd get less Billy Joel. But <laughs> I'm going to go on to like the last question that I'm going to ask you today, Till. Um, and that is, is quite a big one. So prepare yourself. Okay. So, <laughs> what does the future of data analytics solutions <laughs> look like for streaming services? We're having so many, so many data points out there that we can use, that it's, it's getting more and more complex and almost impossible for human beings to use that data mm. in a sensible way and in a way that it really brings benefits to the companies. So I think, you know, AI, I mean, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that um, everybody's talking about, <laughs> but I think specifically when it comes to data, they, a massive benefit and a use, uh, big use case um, for, for machine learning and, and AI approaches. and. And in, in, I think in, in specifically in, in a way where you help to increase the efficiency of using data in terms of, uh, you know, processing thousand data or million data points at the mm. same time, very short time in, mm. in real time, it's getting impossible for human beings, right? And then not only processing them, but also uh, making database decisions. So I think the first phase might be something where you you, you, where you have AI support you to analyze the data. And, and the second phase might be something where AI actually helps you to take the next best action based on the data sets, right? Yeah. So that's something where we are um, very convinced of. And, um, uh, we, you know, the last four days, I've been to a few panels and, and events and everybody was t talking about AI, obviously. I mean, it's uh, last year was fast, this year it's AI, <laughs> but... Um, I do believe strongly that this is a a topic that will, you know, we we, we simply don't know the 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 benefits and the where it actually ends and where it goes right now. Mm. But it reminds me strongly to to you know around two thousand when uh, when Google started uh, without any real business case back then, <laughs> right in in ninety seven ninety eight and and look where they are now, right? So I think. I think the AI will, will bring a lot of incredible use cases and, and, and business cases uh, to the service that we're not aware of right now. But I think in in analytics, it's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. It's pretty obvious. And therefore, we as Empor are investing a lot of, of research and, 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 and developer capacities and resources there to, to develop that, to develop how to use AI in analytics. And that for sure will be the thing on the roadmap for 2024 for us. Nice. I mean, I think I completely agree with you on the point that it doesn't actually need to be about replacing people. It's an augmentation, right? Like you mentioned, that can process a million data points in the time it would take a human 10 years, right? Yeah. So I think augmenting human behavior is where it's really going. And that's definitely going to be prelevant in things like data for streaming services. Like if it can improve my recommendation engine, then I'm going to be happy about that. Yeah. I think the worry is people have is that a lot of it's open source. So I think that's something they're going to have to overcome is the, as you mentioned, your ISO certificated AI is going to have to be that at some point to be able to 
have access to that data, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's where the future is going. But I think it's also uncertain in a sense that they need to provide a real roadmap for how we're going to um, control the sharing of that data. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's everything for today, Tom. I just want to thank you for your time. And uh, I've got to say that NPO is an apt name because you're a very nice person. <laughs> <laughs> thank you much for inviting me and thank you much for, for having me. If you're still listening, please don't forget to give us a rating and review in your podcast directory of choice. It means an awful lot for a growing podcast like ours. Make sure you subscribe to be alerted when the next episode of Beyond the Stream will drop. Until next time. Yeah.